welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your relationship with money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. I'm your host, Tony King, and today we welcome a special guest to the podcast, Larissa Steffen. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. Thanks for coming and spending your time with us. Appreciate you being here. You know, Larissa, I was uh, doing a little background leading up to our conversation today, and I looked at your LinkedIn profile, and I saw a very succinct statement on there about what you do. You stated, I help young professionals eliminate debt, build wealth, and retire early, if that's your goal. I yep, think that's, that's a, what I do. That's a great, that's a, it's a good little nugget. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty succinct and uh, covers a wide range of personal financial needs and how you meet them. But the first thing I like to do, our, our listeners are always curious about where our guests live and work. So I'm going to ask you, where do you live and work, Florida? So I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. It's where I was born and raised, but I recently, within the last few years, moved out to the Eastern Idaho area in order to buy my first home. Is that right? Yeah. And like, what's the largest city near you? Salt Lake City in Utah. Oh, really? So you yeah. you are at the far reaches of Idaho, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> so flying in and out uh, to see Larissa, you fly in and out of Salt Lake City. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. How long were you in the Bay Area? I mean, my whole life, I moved up here when I was 23 years old. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're really a, a Bay Area veteran. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also part of the flight from the Bay Area, aren't you? Uh, that I am. You know, it was really expensive there and it just was getting too difficult for me to stay. It didn't make sense. Yeah, I think you and about, uh, about a zillion other people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it seems like these days. Well, Larissa, I was wondering if you would share your story with us, if you give us the path that led you up to what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So as I just said, I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area, which means I did start out my adult journey in the San Francisco Bay Area, which, as most people know, is one of the most expensive places to live. <laughs> so I was trying to make it work there. Um, I got married pretty young. My husband and I moved in together into the Bay Area. And at a certain point, it just got to be too much. I mean, the traffic getting to and from work every day was too much. And I was just completely drowning in debt just from trying to make it work there. I was making some poor decisions as well. I mean, I had brand new cars, you know, I was living the California lifestyle that I really wanted to live. <laughs> and it was not working out for me, obviously, because I was in my early 20s, you know, I didn't quite make enough to ever even foreseeably be able to buy a home in the Bay Area in my current circumstances. So there was a point really around where the pandemic happened was where I started to really realize like, okay, I need to leave this area, right? It, you know, really put things into perspective on where I was living, what my circumstances actually were. I was seeing a lot of the money that I had originally been wasting by living in the Bay Area come back into my account because I wasn't traveling to work. I wasn't commuting, wasn't going out, couldn't go to restaurants. So that was a really big eye-opener for me. And at that point, I decided this isn't going to work for me. I need to find a better way to manage my finances, and I need to be in a better place for my current financial situation. So I moved out to Idaho. I came out here to buy a home. And then 
as I was here, you know, I was working remotely and I really started to realize that there were a lot of people living in the same circumstances that I was living in, where they're just trying to keep up and they really just want to fit in where they're at. And they're really drowning in that. So I decided this would be a great place for me to break into finance and be able to help people out. That's a great story. And you know what I love most about it is the reflection where you, you really are weighing the reality of personal finance. You know, there's this, I, I heard this uh, term coined the other day, it's called lifestyle creep. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard this time? I and have, I, yeah. I think it's in, I mean, it's, I, I believe it to be pretty prevalent in California. Um, because of the, the cost of living, uh, the cost of lifestyle, which we refer to a lot around here as, you know, when people make budgets, they usually say, okay, these are our expenses. At uh, Personal Financial Strategy, we refer to that group of outgo expenditures as lifestyle because they, it, you know, if you bundle them all together, they really do represent your lifestyle, you know. Right. The amount of loan payments you make, where uh, the restaurants you go to, the uh, your grocery bill. I mean, you know, you put them all together and that's really your lifestyle. Reach a point in life where you're uncomfortable with your lifestyle or you're stressed over it. Um, you need to make a change and you need to make a move. And, and you did that. That's pretty brave and pretty wise of you. And, and that, in fact, is what we do. We try and help people assess their lifestyle. Most people have a hard time assessing it. They know something's wrong. They don't have the data to tell them what's wrong. So that's that's where personal financial strategy comes into play. We, we help them get that data and line things up. And then once we get things lined up, they can make really good choices. And one of the choices that they you know logically proceed to after that is to decide, what am I gonna invest in and how am I going to retire? And I understand you have special expertise in those two areas. Yeah, so I decided to really focus on investment strategy and really retirement strategy, because I find that it's something that people in my generation aren't being really preached to about. And a lot of people aren't really paying attention to the fact that the money you invest in your 20s and 30s is worth so much more than the money that you could invest later once you start compounding it. And time in the market is so important. So I wanted to make sure that I was bringing retirement awareness and retirement savings awareness to my generation. That's great. And um, can you speak to us about what you think the best retirement vehicles like? Let's just do a, uh, a scenario. Let's just pick a, a scenario where uh, an individual, a young professional is chosen their lifestyle and they've done it with some margin. So they have monthly funds that they can put towards their lifestyle. And let's just pick a random number. Let's say uh, $650 a month. What would you advise that person to do with their $650 a month with regard to their retirement and future planning? Yeah, so it really depends on where you're starting out. Um, I have a lot of people come to me who their future goals do involve things like purchasing a home, um, maybe sending children to college. So I like to try and look at some alternative retirement strategies where you don't have to wait until you're in your 60s to access it. Um, so there are a couple of different things that I use for that. Sometimes we can use a qualified account, depending on how much is going in, just so that we know that can be a little bit more accessible for you. Another tool I really do like is the Index Universal Life Insurance tool. Are you familiar with it? Yes, I am. 
Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I really like the Index Universal Life Tool just because it is easily accessible money that you can pull out without it going against your debt to income ratio. And it's a great way to get started for families who do need that death benefit while they're saving and while they're starting to invest and that that death benefit would really benefit their family out. And then they can take it out later to purchase a home. It can be used for future business expenses. It can be used to pay for children's college. And if you get all the way through and you don't end up using it, then you'll have a good amount of money that you can use for your retirement income that will be tax-free. That's awesome, Larissa. Walk me into that. I'm, I'm, your, uh, I'm your guy with $650 a month that I'm able to put toward an index universal life policy. Walk me into it. What is the step-by-step procedure? And then what are the benefits that are waiting for me uh, 5, 10, and 15 years down the road? Yeah. So first off, we start out by doing an illustration. So I take what your goals are and what you're able to put in. And I'll put it into a couple of different life insurance policy systems so that we can kind of see how that policy will continue to develop over time. So we can see the cash value as well as the death benefit. They do have to be properly structured. So they're always structured with an increasing death benefit, which means that the more money you put in, the higher of a death benefit you will have. The biggest advantage of this is life insurance rates are cheaper when you're younger. So when you start out when you're younger, the actual life insurance portion of these policies will be less of an expense. So then more of that money is going into the cash value that you can then use for your future goals. And you'll have a permanent form of life insurance because it doesn't expire. It goes through your lifetime. Does it go through your lifetime even if you have substantial withdrawals in the future? It, so you can over withdraw it, right? And you can get make it to a point where there is no death benefit left. So then no, you would no longer then have your life insurance. They like, can be over withdrawn. It has to be properly structured, but you work with an agent such as myself when you do those withdrawals and when you start playing with the policy so that we can make sure that you don't blow up the policy. That's, that's great. And give me, give me some kind of flavor for what kind of return is paid on the, you know, the portion of savings, you know, after the benefit is paid for on a monthly basis, what percentage rate could one expect their money to accrue? So the average that we usually say is about 6%. Um, The greatest benefit of this is it does usually go with the stock market. However, when the stock market sees negative returns, you, instead of losing your money and seeing a negative return, will get a 0% return floor. So your existing cash will not go down with the rest of the market. Wow, that's a huge benefit right there. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially, I mean, I'm just thinking about today. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And what's happened, uh, what's happened to 401k plans that are indexed into the stock market over the last 45, 60 days. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a bit terrifying, but you know, we've been here before we know things. (laughs) So I'm not trying to be an alarmist or anything, but that, that floor of zero is just, that's very appealing to me as a long-term investor. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things that people don't, you don't realize it until you realize it, right? In a down market right now, this is where it's so beneficial as people are watching themselves lose money in the stock market. It will come back. It always does, right? So it doesn't mean you should be completely out of the stock market, but it is a great alternative investment that will not lose money when there are stock market issues. 
So it's another thing that we also use for people nearing retirement, because you don't want to be pulling out of things like an IRA or a 401k when the stock market is going down, because then you can never regain those losses. So mm -hmm. it's a great alternative investment that people can pull from without risking losing all their money that is in the market. Yeah. Thank you, Larissa. Give us a little bit of an idea of what's the best timing to start thinking and considering a life insurance product for our future? Yeah, so I think it's less about the timing and more about your life circumstances. So there are certain life circumstances that that do make the most sense for you to have a life insurance policy, such as if you are married or do have a family, children of your own, those people could really benefit from you having a life insurance policy. Um, if you have a mortgage, if you share a mortgage with somebody else, or you have other debts that are outstanding that could affect somebody else if something were to happen to you, then life insurance is definitely something you wanna start looking into because you want to make sure that if something were to happen to you, your loved ones will be protected and taken care of. Right. I, you know what I, I love most about that? What you just stated, that's the spot on reason to have life insurance. But the kind of life insurance that you're talking about is, is not just life insurance. It's right. life insurance plus. And it, yes. it actually involves your future life as much as it involves your future and impending doom. Yes. <laughs> Well, thanks for that. Are, are there other instruments out there that uh, have caught your fancy? So there is, aside from the index universal life, there's also whole life insurance, um, which is similar. It's another permanent life insurance product. I don't use it as often only because it doesn't have have as much flexibility. So if someone comes to me and says, I can afford $1,000 a month, but they don't necessarily want to be locked into that $1,000 a month, that's where I'd say index universal life. But whole life has more guarantees. So you're guaranteed a higher rate of return um, and you will end up getting a higher cash benefit from it generally. But again, if you say you're going to put in $1,000 a month, you're pretty indefinitely going to be putting in $1,000 a month. They can't be easily changed. Whereas with some index universal life, I can just call up the company and we can change how much you're putting into it. A little more flexibility there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's your second most popular outside of uh, life insurance? What's your second most popular uh, retirement vehicle? Uh, my second most popular retirement vehicle is really just, I honestly offer retirement coaching where we just go over your employee benefits and we start talking about what your employer offers so that we can start working with that and putting maybe up to a match into a 401k, possibly open a Roth IRA. I love tax free. I love avoiding the taxes in retirement. Um, I've seen how they can affect people's retirement. So I like to try and get as much into that tax-free area as we can. But as we all know, 401k matches are 100% return on investment. So I absolutely recommend that people put in their work 401k as well. Well, thanks for that primer on life insurance. You know, Larissa, there's another area of concern that keeps coming up with our clients, and that is the full understanding of their employee benefits and specifically their retirement benefits. Um, what would you say to that person who is maybe wondering if they're really leveraging their employee benefits as so best they can? Yeah. So I would first ask how much you're putting in and if your employer has a match. Because if your employer does have a match, you want to make sure that you are are contributing up to that amount because that's a hundred percent return on your money and really it's free money so you absolutely want to be taking that company match 
Um, aside from that, I don't generally recommend overfunding your 401k just because it can affect the income that you end up with in your retirement years. Oh, expand on that a little bit. How so? How would that happen? So because 401k accounts are tax deferred, so you don't pay taxes when you put the money in, the tax comes out when you take the money out. So tax rates could go up, you know, they could go up, they could go down. We don't really know what they're going to do. However, the taxes do go against your social security earnings, um, which will then affect how much spendable income you really have. So really the tax deferral, just having to put that on your taxes can have a big impact on how much of the money you're pulling out. You actually end up paying to the government and it's not spendable income. So it can really affect your lifestyle and how you're able to live because it can be unpredictable. If tax rates go up, then you could be looking to take less per year out of that 401k than you were expecting. I see. And that, unfortunately, if I have to make a bet right now, I'm betting tax rates are going to go up. <laughs> That's the bet I'm making too. I mean, if you've seen our national debt right now, I'd be worried about tax rates. That's exactly what I'm, what I'm referring to is it, it seems to be popping into the, um, into the news and onto social media and the national debt. It is a number that's hard to even fit into the head, if you know what I mean. Right. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so that, I, I do think it's telling for tax, weight, tax rates in the future. As we look at retirement, Larissa, do you have some specific tax strategies that you like to advise people with? Yeah, so I really like um, David McKnight's theories in The Power of Zero. He talks about all of the different kinds of accounts that you can save for in your retirement and how they come out the other end during your retirement. So that's a great resource if you want to learn more about the different types of savings account and how they can end up affecting, affecting your retirement in the end. One of the best strategies is making sure that all of your um, assets are equally weighted against the different types of accounts so that when you are pulling them out, you aren't having to put too much on your tax bill at the end of the year, and you can keep a little bit more of that as spendable income. That's great. And the name of that book was called? The Power of Zero by David Power McKnight. Of Zero. Well, I, I have not read that. I, I will take it into account and uh, put it on the list. Gosh, I'm getting so far, far behind on my reading list. Well, Larissa, I'd like to thank you for your time and your advice today. And I'd like to close the podcast by letting our listeners know how to best get in touch with you. Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm only on LinkedIn because it's a professional network. You can also go ahead and go to my website. It is larissasteff.com, L-A-R-I-S-S-A-S-T-E-F.com. Great. That's simple. That's easy. Thank you for spelling it <laughs> because I probably would have missed it if you didn't. Okay. <laughs> and I want to thank you so much for spending your time and sharing with us your expertise. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Until next time, strategists, keep on strategizing.